Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Michigan State University Wealth Management Association podcast. My name is Jared Ryan, and I will be your host for today's episode. Joining us today for the first time is my friend, Dr. Judy Whipple. Judy is a Bauer Sox Thole Endowed Professor in Logistics and Supply Chain Management, the Interim Dean of Michigan State's Eli Broad College of Business, and a lifetime Spartan. In this episode, we talk about Dr. Whipple's history with MSU, advice for current students, along with her innovative vision for the Eli Broad College of Business's future, like the Broad 2030 plan. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the MSU WMA podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest who is making her debut, supply chain management titan, who seconds as an educator and the leader of our Eli Broad College of Business. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you, Dr. Judy Whipple. Thank you, Jared. I'm so happy to be with you here today. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Yeah, Judy, I know you're a very busy individual who has multiple irons in the fire. Thank you for taking time today to be on the MSU WMA podcast. It's my pleasure. Of course. I know most of our listeners are familiar with you, but they may not know your background. Could you take a second to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Sure. I'm happy to. So um, I actually grew up around campus. I like to say I grew up in the shadows of MSU. I'm a graduate of Williamson High School, so uh, just east of campus. And I grew up an MSU fan. Uh, and I um, did my undergraduate at, at the time, it was called General Motors Institute. Now it's Kettering University. And that's um, a co-op program. And my co-op sponsor was um, GM. So I worked here in the Lansing area uh, for GM. I um, stayed on with them after graduation. I worked in a lot of different areas from um, material handling supervision, production supervision, expediting, which expediting is a great job when the phone's not ringing, but when the phone's ringing, you're about to shut a plant down. <laughs> and, and then I also worked in, in procurement as well. So I had a lot of different opportunities to really see various parts of the company. Uh, and I decided actually to go back and get my PhD. And I came to Michigan State. It was one of the few uh, universities that offered a PhD in, this was before supply chain was a term, in procurement. That was really what I was um, very interested in. And I actually was thinking um, when I first started, thinking about going back to industry when I was done. Uh, but my first year in the PhD program, I had a chance to get involved with students as a TA and I just loved it and I never looked back. So after graduation, I taught at Western Michigan University for a few years. I taught in what is now their integrated supply management program as well as their food marketing program. So my PhD was in both marketing and logistics. I originally went in for procurement and then um, switched um, after my first year to marketing and logistics. And then I rejoined MSU as a faculty member actually in the College of Ag and Natural Resources where I directed a program called Food Industry Management, which at the time was joint between the College of Ag and the College of Business. And um, I worked there for several years and then had an opportunity to join the supply chain management department in 2006. And so I've been on faculty uh, in the college since then. I also have um, three kids that are Spartans. Uh, yes. So we definitely have a Spartan family and um, we're just very passionate about MSU. You truly are a Spartan through and through. 
Yes. You mentioned your tenure as a supply chain management professor where you were named a Bowersox Thole Endowed Professor. I, along with the listeners, would love to hear how you earned this honor. Sure, absolutely. So um, you know, receiving an endowed position is really one of just a tremendous honor. It's one of the highest honors that a faculty member can, can receive um, at a university. And it really is um, shows a dedication to your academic excellence uh, and to the academy. It's um, strongly related to showing um, a contribution in research. And um, my research areas um, are predominantly focused on collaboration. Um, when I worked for GM in purchasing, uh, I really sort of got wondered why do some relationships I have with suppliers work so well and, and why do some maybe not work as well? And so that has been really the start of my research area is understanding how firms can better collaborate um, with buyer suppliers um, and, and whether that's you know a retail customer with the manufacturer they're buying from or manufacturer with suppliers they're buying from. And so you know, that's been a lot of my research focus. I've also focused on integration, um, internal and external, as well as um, risk management and security. And so I think in part through the, the research that I've done, also in part with the teaching and the service um, that I've been involved in, you know, I was just really honored to be um, uh, given the endowed position. Uh, it has special, special, um, more than just the honor, it has a very special piece to me because um, it's named after Donald J. Bowersox, Dr. Bowersox, who, um, for his outstanding contributions to research and teaching during his career at MSU, he was my mentor, uh, my friend, my colleague, and the um, additional uh, endowment is in honor of Robert Thal, who fully funded the endowment, um, and he is an alumni of the Broad College as well. And so to be named an endowed position in and of itself um, was was a uh, true honor, but to have it be in Don Bowersock's name um, was really, really special. You are certainly living up to the honor of those two individuals, and you have certainly earned that prestigious honor. Within your years here at MSU, you have witnessed our supply chain program continue to be the number one undergraduate and graduate program in supply chain and logistics. Why do you think this top ranking persists? So I would say, so even before supply chain was a term and before we were doing those rankings, MSU was really one of the leading and, and really founding um, programs. And I think what differentiated us then and continues to differentiate us now is we were one of the first programs that really put the three pillars of supply chain together. So operations, procurement, and logistics. Um, in Back in the day, uh, it, it was called materials and logistics management, but we had balance across those three areas. We had balance in the curriculum, so students took classes in each area. They took classes in electives that related to those uh, three pillars. And our faculty members represent expertise across those three areas. And so with that, and once really became a, a term supply chain, we've continued to make sure that there is balance 
So students understand the big picture of supply chain, but they also understand the fundamentals in procurement operations and, and logistics. Because despite supply chain becoming a much more ubiquitous term, companies still oftentimes have those three areas separated, uh, but hopefully integrated um, within the company. And so I think in part, it's been the curriculum and the structure uh, it's also been, as I mentioned, the, the faculty. We have continued to hire and retain top faculty in the field. They're leaders in their research areas. Um, they're focused on the latest research. Um, we have faculty looking at uh, last mile and e-commerce. We have faculty looking at uh, risk and resiliency. We have faculty looking at cybersecurity. We have faculty looking at um, uh, diversity, in particular, disabilities as part of the future of work. And so I think that the tremendous faculty that really are thought leaders in their respective areas bring that thought leadership into the classroom to really ensure that students are career ready at, at graduation and beyond. And then I think we've also been pretty innovative early on. Um, back when I was a doctoral student, um, we hired our first um, director of corporate and student relations. And so we've had that position really ever, ever since. And that person is um, really focused on being a liaison between companies and recruiters, between students and between faculty. And that has really helped us um, maintain, uh, we, we've always had a focus on working closely with companies on our research, on our curriculum, but that position has also really helped us to ensure that continues to happen. We have a supply chain council that is made up of representative companies that um, this uh, corporate student relations director also plays a large role in. And that keeps us grounded in what companies are looking for from a curriculum and skill set sample uh, base. And then it also helps us in our connection with our industry. So I think that combination of passion for research, a passion for students, a passion for working with companies uh, has really continued to, to keep us at the number one position. I can certainly see it in our students. We are certainly gifted and honored to have the number one supply chain program in the nation. Our students are cherishing that opportunity. And on the topic of rankings, our Broad Executive MBA program has been ranked by Financial Times top 15 for, this, for 10 straight years. And I believe a large part of these rankings are directly correlated to world-class staff and professors like yourself. Can you talk about the impact that faculty and staff have on these rankings? Absolutely, absolutely. I think um, regardless of the, the major, the discipline, the concentration in the college, the Broad faculty and staff are truly amazing. Uh, they are um, dedicated to student success. They are innovative in terms of programming and curriculum and, and ways to deliver uh, that, that content. Um, they're innovative in thinking about how students get exposure and experience outside the classroom. Uh, so whether that is case competitions or leadership retreats or tours that they might set up. Uh, and we just really have exceptional faculty and staff that wanna work with students and help them customize a path 
um, that they see for their future. Uh, in addition to the faculty, we offer so many support opportunities through our Russell Palmer Career Management Center, our multicultural business programs, our uh, residential business program. Uh, you know, we're really just here to really support that student very, very holistically. And then um, I think you mentioned the students as well. And, and, you know, our students are so passionate at MSU, whether it's undergraduate or graduate, you know, they are really here to, uh, I, I think our students understand they're here for a transformative experience. And so they put their uh, heart and soul and effort into that as well. And so it's really fun to be in the classroom when you have such passionate students who are recognizing um, that, that this is a goal of theirs uh, to, to get this educational experience and degree and really want to stay committed to that. Completely agree. Our students are wonderful in many different ways, but there was an instance last February 13th where our students inflicted a blow to themselves, a blow to MSU, something that was very tragic. And you yourself presided over the darkest moment in MSU history, the February 13th shooting that claimed three innocent lives, injured five others, and grimly reminded the world that evil can strike when it's least expected. How have you seen our community unite and strengthen in the days following this horror? I have to say that um, in the face of, of just such a horrible uh, a tragedy, just such a horrible experience. The way that we all as a Spartan community rallied around each other was just so inspiring and so helpful. Um, when I think about, and it wasn't just MSU students, faculty and staff, it was East Lansing and surrounding communities. It was alumni from far and wide. It was people that aren't alumni, that aren't working in MSU. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the U of M um, business school, their students and faculty and staff and their dean signed a banner. A uh, former student of mine who's at BYU, they um, he organized a group of people in MSU gear with a, a green and white poster that said, um, we're praying for you, MSU. I mean, just the amount of um, support that we received. Um, I walked um, to the vigil, We the, the vigil they did at the Rock, I invited faculty, staff, and students to meet here in the Secchia Lawn and walk to the Rock if, if they wanted to. And we had well over 100 people. And I happened to be walking with um, two freshmen. And the one said, um, you know, my parents offered to fly me back to Texas. And I said, no, um, I'm home, I'm a Spartan. And you know, just just the community and the sense of togetherness that still makes me um, <laughs> me too, me too. Choke, choke up um, when I talk about that. And then when I think about the Sunday before classes started back out, when they did the Spartan Strong Sunday, you know, over seventy five thousand people. Um, they had a we have a corgi, so the Michigan Corgi Club was doing a corgi cuddle, so we were up there with our corgi mm -hmm. and you know, fifty little dogs running around um, Sparty and. And just the outpouring of support, you know, it, it just um, gave us all a, a sense of security and comfort and community. And we knew that we weren't going through it alone. We knew we were with each other together. And so I think that was, was were some of the things that, that were, you know, really impactful to me. Um, I had a friend who has worked at two other universities and his comment to me was, 
I, I don't think I would have seen that same level of community support and togetherness at those other locations. He he said, there's something really special about MSU. And I said, absolutely. So I completely agree. In the days after the shooting, I remember there was every single piece of concrete across the whole campus was was all chalked up and there was different sayings and uh, you'll make it through and whatnot. And I, 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 for me, that was something that was truly profound is just the amount of individuals who are willing to come out from across the state, from across the nation to come help in any way that they could. So I, I definitely think our embassy community is second to none. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I driving in that next day, that Monday morning, every entrance to campus had signs that people had made the day before um, welcome back. We love you. We support you. We're here. It, it was just, um, it was just an amazing, um, experience. And then, you know, we had, um, offered some, some important things in the college as well. Um, our student engagement center, our Russell Palmer career management center started to leave a note, take a note, um, where you could leave a note of inspiration or take a note of inspiration. Um, they did snacks and beverages, um, in different places in the college. So people felt that they could get together and, and have community. And it was, it was so popular. They continued to do that through, through the semester and we had alumni and others make donations to that. Um, so there were just, you know, so many, um, so many people that really wanted to, to get together and, and, and work on that. And I think, you know, the university's response, um, was tremendous. Um, we had, um, uh, in, in our college, our director for our learning technology and development team, along with similar teams across campus, they worked um, with faculty. We had Zoom sessions to sort of talk through faculty and staff, talk through how to rethink your syllabus, um, how to really show some empathy and grace to students. How are things that, what are things you can do and say that first day back? Um, and I think that was just a tremendous support um, for faculty, staff, and students as well. I completely agree. In the, in the days following, it was about grieving and coming together and a sense of community. But longer term, what steps have been taken to increase safety at MSU and in Broad so this doesn't happen again? Yeah. So I think, you know, some of the things that we've done in Broad, um, one of the things that we had already had scheduled um, prior to the February 13th tragedy was a session for faculty and, and staff on, um, um, you know, on an active shooter, active violence um, session. We debated whether or not to still have that given, um, you know, the emotional tie, but we, we went ahead and, and worked with campus resources to still hold that session. Um, and we held um, a decompression session after um, where you know people could come together. Um, we had employee assistance programs there. So if they needed to talk through that, um, because you know, I'll, I'll say for myself, you know, going through that training after having the campus incident, it is more real to you. Um, and so so we wanted to definitely give people a sense of um, understanding a little bit and, and knowing what they're, they're working on. And we've been continuing some um, thought in terms of additional sessions and what type of sessions um, we're going to offer a de-escalation training session um, this semester as well. Um, and so we've tried to do that. We've done some other things in having um, 
some walkthroughs with um, the police and public safety to think about safety within the building. Um, and you know the university has uh, announced a, a plan to install door locks that would allow a classroom to be locked, but would still allow um, fire and safety uh, to to be able to enter that room if needed. Um, and so we are on the schedule for um, those those locks. Um, you know, as you know, building access has been limited, um, uh, so students have to use and faculty and staff use their. Um, key cards after before and after certain times um we you know have seen the university in uh focus on creating a central um uh a central location for any cameras um we've invested in cameras within the building as well uh and knowing that those are all going to be going through a central security system and um, also, you know, the, the new alert message system that the university has put into place. So I, I feel very assured, too, after reading, um, you know, the, the report that came out recently about um, doing sort of a, a debrief on, on the incident and some recommendations. Many of those recommendations are already things that we've been, the university has been putting in place. It's certainly reassuring that there is actionable steps that are being taken and that there's actual improvements that are being made. I myself have certainly endured the stages of grief, but what makes me hopeful is looking towards the future. And I believe the future of our university is very bright, especially when we are provided systematic blueprints like the Broad 2030 plan. Would you speak about this proposal and its objectives? Absolutely. So our Broad 2030 plan is really focused on our five strategic themes and our five strategic initiatives. And we work to embed those themes in everything we do around those initiatives. So our initiatives are undergraduate uh, education, graduate education and lifelong learning, uh, research and um, outreach and engagement, and culture and climate. And so we're working to embed our strategic themes in that. And so um, as an example, one of our strategic themes is global mindset. How do we work to instill a global mindset uh, into our curriculum, into you know, our, our students and faculty and staff members uh, mindsets and how do they kind of think about that? Because you can't really do business today without thinking about uh, the global implications of that. And so we have done some things this last year to um, expand opportunities there. Certainly post-COVID, we're seeing um, opportunities to, to be back um, doing education abroad. And we've added some new programs. We had a program over spring break, as an example, a new program on supply chain in the Panama Canal. Um, we also have just hired a new assistant director of education abroad. Um, so our, our current um, director and our assistant director with support of our um, Walters Family Endowment, they're focused on um, helping faculty and staff build programs. They're focused on working with partner universities across the globe for exchange programs. Um, they're doing site visits uh, and, and other things to try to encourage and enhance that. Um, we also have a new um, global career coach out of our Russell Palmer Career Management Center um, that is helping students, whether it's a domestic student that wants to think about a career abroad or an international student, um, 
how they navigate um, the global job market. And we've also worked and realigned under our um, undergraduate uh, advising services. We have an assistant director for global support services who's helping students kind of think about how to make that educational opportunity seamless within their overall curriculum plan, as well as helping do advising for international students. And so we're really looking at how do we create uh, that global mindset. A lot of what I've talked about here is, is more on the um, education abroad, but then that also gets weaved into our curriculum and opportunities as well. Um, another one of our strategic themes is digital transformation. And so how do we instill that, that digital mindset as well into students? How do we think about the tools and techniques today, but then what tools and techniques uh, are, are going to be on the horizon? And certainly, um, you can't think about digital this year, at least, without talking about ChatGPT. <laughs> so, of course, had some resources through our Learning Technology and Development Center to think about, you know, is this a course where you want to encourage using um, AI? Is this a course, and, and why, and how would you build that in? Is this a course where you know you want to have some rules around that, and how do you make sure that that's in the syllabus? Um, and, you know, how do you think about um, uh, about those sort of tools and, and techniques? Um, we also have had um, some additional courses focused more on digital. Um, as you may know, in, in finance, there's a fintech class now um, that's looking at digital technologies. Um, our hospitality business, our school of hospitality business is adding in their curriculum a focus on technology. Certainly that's a, an industry when you think about lodging. Uh, and, and food um, and beverage service that is embracing, in some cases, digital technologies. And so how are we bringing that into the curriculum? And then we have a lot of faculty um, that that's their research area as well, uh, looking at AI and responsible AI um, in, in their research efforts. Um, we also, um, on, another one of our uh, themes is entrepreneurship and innovation. And so how do we encourage that thinking outside the box at creativity, whether a student wants to become their own, uh, uh, when they want to have a startup or become their own boss, or they want to bring innovation to a traditional and well-established company. Um, we're looking to try to help um, uh, build that. And so we have our Burgess Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation that's housed in the Broad College, but it actually services um, across campus. Um, they offer venture creation opportunities for any student. We've just recently hired an alumni venture uh, director, so that also helps our alumni who who want to take that idea. I like to say from napkin to reality. Uh, but we also have one of the fastest growing miners through our entrepreneurship and innovation miner, and that truly has students um, uh, from all over campus. So that's been great. You know, you could have a an accounting student working with a packaging engineer or a computer science engineer or you know someone from pre med on this innovative idea. Uh, and so that's been a, a great way that we've weaved uh, that theme into our, our programming and research as well. Another one of our strategic themes is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so we're um, continuing to look at programming and activity there. Uh, we launched a third party survey last fall to try to get a baseline understanding of 
um, how people felt, faculty, staff, and students, how they felt in terms of a uh, sense of belonging and the culture and climate um, within the college. So we've been working to understand uh, the results of that. We've been holding some community conversations um, with different constituent groups to try to um, understand the, the impact of the survey and also put some initiatives in place. Um, and we're very excited. We'll be launching in the spring our DASHNI uh, Women Leadership Accelerator Initiative. Um, and so we're, we're really excited about that opportunity. Uh, and Helen um, is going to be a, a great inaugural director of that. Uh, the, the initiative um, launched in her name, um, which we're just so proud of uh, for her and the recognition that, that she's had um, in that. And then our final um, theme is ethics and social responsibility. And we've launched last year a center for ethical and socially responsible leadership that's um, had a tremendous impact in um, one, supporting research and teaching grants for faculty and staff that want to build uh, an ethical or socially uh, social leadership um, consideration either into their research or into um, the classroom. We have a new class, for example, in accounting that is gonna focus on ESG as part of, and, and, and that faculty member has one of these inaugural teaching grants. And then um, our center director has done a lot of um, lunch and learns and you know, with over a thousand students participating in some type of event um, across um, our, our uh, CESRL, our Center for Ethical and Socially Responsible Leadership. I, along with our students, are looking forward to these initiatives coming to fruition. I believe that failing to plan is planning to fail. The structured views for the future provide a sense of security and something to strive for. Do you believe this structure is the reason the most popular MSU college among new students is the Bro College of Business? I think that, um, you know, I love the uh, failing to plan is planning to fail. That's that's a great, um, a great way to think about that. I think that our ranking, our reputation, in particular, our reputation for the services that we provide to support student success, I think that's a big piece of um, why we continue. And, and we have been um, one of, if not the, you know, uh, college of choice for students for a long time. Uh, but I really think it is, you know, the community that we've created here, which is focused on creating moments that matter to students so that they can really be successful. Um, and whether that's our Russell Palmer Career Management Center, our multicultural business program, our residential business college, all of those um, services, the reputation of our faculty and staff, I think that's a lot of what continues to make us one of the most popular colleges on campus. And I also think that, you know, when students are thinking about the investment that they're making in their education, they want to think about it. I know I'm speaking <laughs> to mm -hmm. our wealth management uh, <laughs> group here, right? You want that investment to, to pay off. And, and I think when students are thinking about a major and are thinking about making that investment, there's an understanding that um, business is, is, a, is a very important uh, way to um, create a lifelong career that they can thrive in and, and be very successful in. I completely agree. On the same note, 
not only was the Bro College of Business the most popular college, but MSU was the most popular university among new students in the state of Michigan this year. What does it mean to have Michigan State be the university for Michigan? I love that phrase. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's been one that that um, you know I'm I'm glad to be hearing more people um, thinking about and and saying it's it's just I think it's just such a testament to our our roots and, and to our history as a land grant. Uh, university. And so when you think about the philosophy of a land grant, we were the first land grant university. It's really a sense that um, we are here to serve the public. We are here to be that that university for the state. Um, and, you know, while its history was in agriculture and um, mechanics uh, and, and also it was also uh, where our reserve officers training corp or ROTC uh, really developed was was through um, the Morrill Act, um, which created those land grant universities. And I think what it means is we are a place where we are accessible, we are inclusive, we create a community and a sense of uh, belonging. We value diversity um, from uh, of of thoughts of disciplines of interests of uh, all sorts of things. Uh, and I think that creates a, an exciting place to be. Uh, I think that um, when we see not only are we one of the most popular uh, destinations for um, individuals in Michigan, but the fact that many of our graduates, uh, a majority of our graduates stay in Michigan. So we are helping to uh, develop Michigan's future leaders and future industries, um, I think that's also really exciting to me. Coming back to more new initiatives and more new policies for MSU and for Broad, new for fall 2022, direct admission has been a game-changing policy for the Broad College as it allows high school students to be accepted by the Eli Broad College of Business upon applying. How have you seen this recent program benefit our students? and the Broad College of Business. Absolutely. So I think the direct admission process has been um, really wonderful for the Broad College. Um, it's It's been something that uh, has been um, in the works uh, or something we've really been interested in trying because we know that many of our competitors in the Big Ten and many of our um, you know other peer uh, schools offer a direct admit process. And so not having one was um, really a, a disadvantage because we were you know, potentially losing top um, candidates who said, I wanna go where I'm assured to get a degree in business. And so I think that's been very great for us from a recruiting uh, standpoint. It's been good for us. Um, and you know to really be able to uh, compete um, effectively for top talent coming in, uh, I think it's also really exciting because it's giving us a chance to rethink the core curriculum, and we actually have a committee um, working on that this semester. You know when we were previously you couldn't get admitted until you were at junior status, then we moved that to sophomore status, um, but our curriculum then had to sort of be designed to do in two years. 
And what this is now giving us an opportunity when we think that about a lot of our students are going to be freshmen or sophomores, um, it gives us a chance to look at that core curriculum and maybe develop some structure in terms of, do I think you should have had this class before this class? Um, and I think the other big piece is it's going to help us in terms of recruiting and opportunities for internships, opportunities for uh, education abroad, opportunities for additional extracurricular experiences that we haven't necessarily always had because we were getting students into the college later. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to developing, you know, a, a stronger, you know, culture around our incoming uh, students. So now, we're always going to leave room for transfer students for that secondary admission for so maybe that student that wants to switch into business after you know their freshman year and uh, so we want to certainly be open to that but it's giving us a chance to get students thinking sooner about the goals that they have about the journey and so that we can sort of help them customize hey where are you now and where do you think you want to be and what are paths that can help you to get there and so i'm really excited about that because i think that's going to be an even more enriching opportunity for students um, one of the things we put in place is a business 100 class so if you're direct admit you'll take that as a freshman um, if you are a secondary admit you'll take that hopefully your sophomore year and that's really focused on understanding how to build a network, understanding how to, you know, develop internship experiences. And, you know, we have more companies that want to have uh, students interning as early as between their freshman and sophomore year. And so how do we get students at that freshman year prepared for those interviews, uh, prepared for those um, internship opportunities? And then that class can also be a little bit about career exploration. So a student that's maybe thinking, you know, I want to be um, in a, a finance major, but then also, well, what other things, what minors might you pick up or what other experiences might you want to put with that? Uh, and so I think students, I think it's going to be great for students to have a little more time to, to, to explore and to think about the different experiences that they want to have on their resume when they're, um, you know, at that senior year. Increased opportunities for internships and networking. I myself pride myself on my networking abilities with my peers and other industry professionals. But with over 80,000 Living Broad alumni, how can I maximize my networking as a student? And what events, networking events, or experiences through Broad could I participate in? Absolutely. So I think, um, you know, Jared, you kind of said it there, you've got to get comfortable with building a network. And I think many times students and, and even, you know, as uh, non-students, <laughs> we don't always recognize the um, how to build a network effectively. We don't always recognize the importance of networking. Uh, and, and I think for me, given that a lot of my research has been on that collaboration side, that's really what I think about when I think about networking is, is how do I build a community um, of collaborators, people that I can work with, whether that's helping them in terms of understanding how to um, post their job on, on Handshake mm -hmm. or whether that's helping me in terms of uh, making a connection uh, for research I'm doing, you know, it's really about building a positive, um, you know, uh, 
team of people that you're there for and they're there for you. And so I think for, for students, um, getting comfortable with networking early and networking is not just that I sent you a LinkedIn connection. It is getting to know people, it is getting to um, talk with people, it's getting a chance to, to listen to their ideas and their expertise. And you know, you can start it right here uh, because I can tell you a lot of times, you know, you've got great potential networks in the faculty you're taking classes from, in the staff you're working with, in the door, the the advisor for that student club you're involved in, you know there are tons of opportunities to maybe practice some of that networking um, by getting to know uh, the faculty and staff, by getting to know your peers in the classroom. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm still encouraging students that you know it's okay to sit next to somebody <laughs> that you don't know and introduce yourself. And, um, you know, I've seen and talked with, you know, my daughter who's, you know, has said that's been a little hard sometimes in some classes to just, you know, walk in and, and you know, strike up a conversation. Um, so, you know, there's, there's three or four questions you can ask anybody. And, you know, if you kind of get those memorized, <laughs> that's a, a great way to, to start that. So, you know, tell me about yourself. How did you become uh, you know director at XYZ company. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's just some some kind of three to four pretty easy questions you could really strike up a conversation with anybody. So I think that's that's one thing to think about. I think what's so great about MSU and you know in this role the past year I've gotten a chance to meet with a lot of alumni and um you know to a T I hear the same thing. And and that is when when I ask them about tell me about your experience at at MSU, tell me what it's like to be a Spartan. You know, I think one of the things, one of the many themes that comes out of that is that it is a family, it is a community. And, um, you know, MSU Spartans, we pay it forward. We recognize that when we were here, when we were students, somebody, multiple people helped us. It was that faculty member you took a class from that you really connected with. It was that person that helped you with your resume. It was the um, the maybe the senior student that talked with you about what to expect at the career fair. And so we really have a strong sense of somebody helped me and I'm going to help the next person. Um, and so you know, when you're reaching out to alumni, they love to engage with students. They love to have that opportunity to to pay back um the help that they got. And, and so you can do that in a really meaningful way when you're connecting with alumni. And when you have a guest speaker in a class or at a student organization, you'll go up after and introduce yourself and, and thank them for being there. And it's amazing how many different connections you can have. Um, last fall, Todd Penagor, who's the CEO of Wendy's, he came and spoke at our Sylvan T. Warrington lecture. When you have a chance to talk with the CEO of, of Wendy's, I mean, what a great opportunity. Those opportunities are not as few as many others would think. I love to tell our Wealth Management Association, people are our profession. I believe soft skills are ever more present and ever more, it's more pertinent to have those skills, especially in the face of AI. And I think that developing soft skills will lead to many other opportunities professionally personally 
all the same, it will certainly benefit you in all areas of your life. The other thing is, you know, get involved. There's so many opportunities around. Um, I mentioned the Warrington lecture last year with Todd Pentagor. We just had the Warrington lecture this year, about two weeks ago, with Linda Hubbard, who's the president and CEO of Carhartt, Inc. Um, we had also the um, Margaret and Sashi Gupta ethics lecture series uh, the next week that featured Tyler Schultz, who was the Theranos whistleblower. Um, we had an advancing women in business with two prominent alumni uh, event. And then we did a fireside chat with Reddit, the CEO and the CFO of Reddit. So there are tons of those opportunities um, that I really encourage you when you're thinking about building your network, it is at those events, it's at career fairs, it's at um, student organization meetings, it's at guest speakers in class, it's at case studies who have judges from industry and alumni. Uh, and so those are really things you can, you know, really think about how do you start to, to, to build that network through those types of events. On the same point, there are other events for networking, like the first annual Supply Chain Alumni Conference, which united alumni from across the nation. Could you speak about this inaugural event? Sure. So we were so excited to have this. I um, was on a committee to create this. Uh, we were going to launch it in spring of 2020. Um, obviously, that unfortunately didn't happen. And um, we, we thought we would launch it in 2021 and, and again, decided to postpone. So it was a long time coming. I was thrilled to that, that we were able to host it. We had um, just wonderful alumni come back, um, some as attendees, some as panelists and speakers. Um, we had some great panelists on um, last mile supply chain and e-commerce on the future of supply chain. Uh, we had a student panel. Um, the, the alumni loved hearing from our current students. Uh, it was really just a great, a great event. Um, and we're looking forward to making it an annual event. Uh, but it was wonderful to bring people back to campus, many of whom had not been back in years. Um, many of whom had not seen the Minskoff Pavilion. They were blown away. Uh, by our beautiful facility. Um, so it really was a wonderful way for us to showcase the um, building, to showcase our current students, faculty, and staff, and, and just reconnect with our alumni. We had a great time. And, and um, it was I was honored that um, one of the alumni that came back, um, I did a guest lecture in a class when he was in his undergrad and his uh, two of his kids are Broad Spartans um, currently. So that was, uh, made me feel a little old, but it <laughs> <laughs> was really, really rewarding. So it was wonderful to make those connections. I saw the post on LinkedIn and it looked like an amazing event, an amazing time. Shifting now to a little bit more of an advice, your advice topics. You've given hundreds of presentations for companies like Amway, General Dynamics, Meyer, Steelcase, and many more. What is the most important piece of advice you give into these companies? So some of those presentations have been very specific in terms of um, an activity or initiative the company is is looking for. Um, it's been you know more focused specific to that company. Some have been you know more general in terms of what what's on the horizon for supply chains. What should we be building in terms of capabilities and and initiatives? Um, so I, I so I struggle a bit on one central theme. I think 
in many cases, uh, a central theme for me is really understanding how to enable your supply chain to help your firm gain a competitive advantage. And that really means you have to understand what the strategy for the company is. And so if your strategy, I'll, I'll simplify this, if your strategy is to be the low cost producer, that's a very different supply chain than if your strategy is to be a differentiated service provider. And so I think sometimes companies, they don't think about, I, I sort of talk about the um, strategy structure performance framework, which is a framework that we've talked about in supply chain. And that's understanding your strategy, aligning your structure, you know, developing a supply chain that is aligned to meet that strategy. And that's where you're going to see that performance. When you have a mismatch, when you have a supply chain, for example, that's focused on reducing cost at, at the expense of anything, uh, that's not really well aligned with a high service um, supply chain. And so how do you try to think about aligning um, the supply chain uh, expertise and capabilities um, with where that strategy is going to go? And so, you know, that's really, I think, kind of, kind of the key theme a lot of times in those presentations is to be thinking about what do you, what is your corporate strategy and how is supply chain supporting that? How can you gain a competitive advantage from that? Now for some more personal notes, is there any parting advice you would like to share with our Broad students and our WMA listeners? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so one thing I always do recommend for students is, is, again, really think about developing a support structure for you. And that means here it might be an advisor, a faculty member, a staff that you can really be talking with about sort of here's my goals, here's what I'm thinking about. And, you know, they can be helping you sort of customize what that path might look like when you get into the work world, um, again, I really encourage people to think about developing a strong network of mentors and sponsors. You know, these are individuals that are going to help you, again, lay out that career plan and career path. Um, and, you know, I have always been very fortunate. I've had some great mentors and I also put my mentors to work. <laughs> I, you know, I, I met with them on a regular basis. I, you know, would ask them tough questions. You know, what am I not doing well on? What can I be doing better? Um, people don't always want to, you know, tell somebody, hey, you know, you kind of messed up on this. But, but you know, if you're open to asking them, if you're open to getting that feedback. Um, and, and so, you know, I really focused on, uh, asking those tough questions. How can I get better? What could I be working on? What experiences should I have if this is the next goal for me? Um, how would I get those experiences? Um, and so I think that's something to, to really think about is, is really having the opportunity to build um, that, that sense of, uh, of some key people that are going to help you follow and reach that, that path you're looking for. I think the other thing is, um, you know, I applaud anybody who is getting an undergraduate or graduate degree, going back for executive education or a certificate. I always applaud people for making that investment in themselves uh, and, and really seeing that, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this time uh, to in, invest in this in this education. Um, but as you know, <laughs> um, you know, 
you want to make sure you get your money's worth from that investment, right? Um, and so when you think about the Wealth Management Association, that's what you would be telling people, right? It's something about how, how are your investments working for you? And so I think that's something that we don't often think about from an educational standpoint. Um, I'm making this investment. Um, am I fully committed to it? Am I getting everything out of that investment? Um, whether that's in the classroom, whether that is um, participating in extracurricular activities, whether that's being a leader in a student organization. You know, there's so many different things that you can get involved with at Michigan State that you really want to think about, you know, how does that become part of your holistic experience here? Uh, so that is also, you know, knowing that you have faculty and staff here to support you. We're here to help you. Um, reaching out to them when you have questions, um, um, you know, embracing challenges. If you know you're not particularly comfortable public speaking, this is a safe environment. My friend, a good friend of mine always says everything can be boiled down to a sports analogy. This is practice. Um, this is where, you know, you can make some of those mistakes in, in a lower risk environment. So if you're not comfortable in public speaking or you don't think you're good at Excel or you don't feel confident with your quantitative skill set. This is the time to make those investments, push yourself and challenge yourself uh, to find ways to get better. If you're not comfortable with public speaking, do some case competitions. Um, uh, you know, think about those ways you can, you know, improve on, you know, either things you're not as confident in or things you, you know, feel you can make some improvements on. And then, you know, try something new. We have over 40 student organizations in the college. We have hundreds of student organizations across campus. Um, some of those are discipline-based. So join the, you know, one that's in your major, um, but, you know, look for affinity groups or look for, uh, you know, other groups that, that you know, whether it's, you know, a a ski club or a backpacking club or intramural sports, you know, you do need to have a well-rounded and holistic life. You do need some of those, um, you know, stress reducers and, and just, you know, find something that, that can also be fun, uh, but really think about how to take as much advantage as you can of everything that, that is around you at Michigan State University. And then, you know, Linda Hubbard, who spoke, I just mentioned the um, president and COO of Carhartt. Um, she had great advice in her, in our fireside chat. She said, you know, just simply ask. She talked a lot about the success for her career was asking for things, you know, asking about that next promotion, you know, not waiting to be asked, you know, all the time if, if she wanted to join an initiative or if she wanted to volunteer, she was out asking and volunteering uh, in advance. And so I think that's something uh, to think about as well uh, is, you know, how do I get involved? How do I, you know, maximize the opportunities while I'm here? Um, and, and just know that um, uh, you've got Spartan will. And that means that you're, you all are going to go out and inspire the future of business and, um, you know, we're here as a community to help support that and to help you after graduation continue to achieve that. And so you're not alone. You are uh, an amazing part of a wonderful Broad Spartan community. I'd encourage our listeners to rewind this podcast and truly take in what has just been said. 
Thank you for your time, Judy. I had a wonderful time speaking with you today. Thank you so much, Jared. It was wonderful. Appreciate you inviting me. Of course. If you enjoyed the discussion, please like and share the podcast on Apple and Spotify. The Spartan Journal podcast is part of Michigan State University's Wealth Management Association, a student organization whose goal is to inspire the next generation of financial advisors. The Spartan Journal news team releases a newsletter every Monday morning comprised of financial literacy and the week's market updates. Feel free to follow us on social media at MSUWMA and check out our website at MSUWMA.com. Anything heard on either the MSUWMA or Spartan Journal podcasts is for educational purposes only and should not be considered as investment advice.